Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Janet and Gray. Enjoy. We are in this uh, summer series called Anchor Passages, where several of us are sharing those verses that have been really foundational for us in our walk with Jesus. And I love how God's put these messages together, uh, because we started with Pastor Trevor, who took us to the classroom of grace from Titus chapter 2, and then Pastor Kenny, right, will we'll always remember how important it is to hang on to Jesus the anchor of our soul from Hebrews 6. And then Pastor Jesse last week with Romans 12, 1 and 2 about our lives being laid down as a living sacrifice and the transformation that comes from the renewing of our mind. Um, All of those in the New Testament. And then it's my turn and we're going to go to the Old Testament. So uh, maybe that's because I'm old. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Uh, If you've been following along with Pastor Mike, who writes those devotions, uh, I know you had a lot of reading to do this week. You're welcome. It was in the book of Isaiah, which is not a small book to read. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Let me start right off by saying I'm not up here because I have arrived and I have it all together and I have all the answers. I still mess up. I am very much a work in progress, but... I am in love with Jesus, and uh, I am a follower of Jesus, but I love John Mark Comer's uh, description, which is the word apprentice. And I like what the word apprentice says because it it has more than just following along. An apprentice has to study. An apprentice has to intentionally learn the information, and then accompanying the master, being mentored and schooled, and practicing right alongside the master, uh, the apprentice learns to put into practice what he's learning. And so I love that. I, I have a deep desire to practice the way of Jesus. So, you know, physically, we don't go from adult to mature, I mean, from baby to mature adult overnight, and it's the same with our spiritual maturity. It's the same with our spiritual growth. It's a lifelong journey uh, initiated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I'm very happy to see that our youth are with us. This is Youth Sunday, and so our youth are present with us uh, today in the auditorium, and I'm really happy because, you know, honestly, age has nothing to do with maturity, right? Right? And we have some youth who are further along in their spiritual maturity than some of the adults in the room who are new to faith. So I'm really happy that they're here, happy that you're here with us. In order to grow spiritually, we need knowledge, right? And we need practice, and we need grace, and we need community. And you are my community of faith. And so uh, I'm going to just ask for you to have grace for me as I share from my story. and, it, um, and just know that I'm still uh, on my way. And the, the more I experience Jesus and the more I walk with him, I'm excited to know that there's still much more. There's so much more 
that he wants to show me and bring freedom and that kind of thing. And so wherever you are on your journey, I hope that gives you encouragement as well. There's more for you. And if you're brand new here and you don't even know if you, what you think about this Jesus stuff, you are welcome here. And I, I just hope that you would be open today and that something I hear would, would encourage you to keep coming back and keep asking your questions because you are welcome here and so are your questions. So I'm going to pray. Father God, I just, uh, I'm, we're so grateful for your presence in our lives. Lord, we're so grateful for a place where we can come together and praise and worship you. We're so, presence, we're so grateful for your presence in our lives that frees us up, that brings us freedom through your truth, through your love. Lord, I pray for um, just ears to be open today, hearts to be unlocked today, to hear the truth from your word that they are loved, and that you are absolutely at work, behind the scenes, working all things good for good. Lord, I ask for your, your anointing, I ask for your blessing, and we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so how many of you have ever experienced what I call the epic fail? Okay, I'm not alone, right? Like that moment when your mistake or your inadequacy or something like that is just really visible, right? So maybe it's something like you're on stage, you're in a play, and oh my goodness, you draw a blank. And you just blank out and you can't remember your lines, right? Oh, awkward. Or maybe you've planned a big vacation, you get your family all to the airport, and then you remember, oh my gosh, something crucial I didn't pack, or somebody forgot their passport, or something like that. Or maybe you're part of a team who's cooking for a wedding, and, but you're in a rural camping out kind of setting, and so you're cooking in roasters and things like that. And so you go back to check on the chicken that's supposed to be done, and you find out that the roaster actually never got turned on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, mm, dinner was late. <laughs> or maybe you're a new bride driving your new husband's new car, a gorgeous 1968 Pontiac GTO. <laughs> Had a big engine, I don't know what it was. But yeah, I wrecked it. Yeah. So, okay, so, you know, those kinds, of, those kinds of moments bring a lot of anxiety, right? They're like big, oh, no, I, I am uh, in over my head, right? So that pretty much describes me about more than 30 years ago. Uh, because in 1991, my husband Joe and I found the vineyard, and we, it was a crucial time for us. We were... Um, in one of the down seasons of our marriage, and I say one of the down because we've had more than one. And yet, we're gonna have, is it 56 in January, honey? Yeah, 56 years we're married. By the grace of God and in a loving community. So we were in one of those seasons. We'd been through some serious disappointment actually in, in our previous church and in and, and more than one church. And we were discouraged and we were in bad need of some hope. We were hanging on by that thread, but God was hanging on to us with both hands, right? 
So we were able to attend a ministry that was offered here called the Divine Plumb Line. And this was pivotal for both of us because each of us was able to acknowledge the effects on our lives from our family of origin, from pain in our childhood, pain in our past. Uh, specifically, both of us had very painful relationships with our father. And so we, we kind of struggled with the whole idea of fa God as father. And the plumb line was pivotal for that because we really... Um, heard and were experienced the Father's heart of love for us. And um, there, this ministry had a teaching time, and then it had a very long, in-depth, what we call spirit-led prayer, spirit-led ministry for individuals in the, in the retreat. It was a retreat setting. So we had very wise and experienced mentors, and we watched the kingdom of God break through in people's lives. We saw people delivered. We saw people freed. We even did, we saw, you know, freedom from shame and guilt and all of that kind of thing, but we also saw um, people freed from demonic oppression. We, we were amazed, and eventually we, we were helping with logistics, you know, like helping with the food, <laughs> and eventually, as we kept doing that, they asked us to help co-facilitate with others. So we were fairly new believers. I was learning God's truth, but I was still very much... Uh, had a lot to learn. But as long as our leaders were present, I felt reasonably comfortable helping out. But when they unexpectedly had to step out of a weekend uh, because of something else, and Joe and I had to lead it on our own, oh, baby, that was a different story. Man, all my confidence was gone. I was suddenly filled with fear and all the, the what-ifs, and oh, my gosh, and oh, this would happen, and what if this happened? And uh, I was pretty much a mess. So... We'd finished the section, the teaching section, and now it was the morning where we were going to begin to lead the personal ministry. So full of apprehension, early, early in the morning before anybody else was awake, I climbed the hill behind the retreat center, took my Bible, and went up for prayer. And I just want you to know, I was in tears, and this was not the pretty little prayer that said, oh God, I know you're faithful, and I totally trust you, and you're gonna be here to help me No. It was, oh, no, God, what were you thinking? This is not going to work. This is a big mistake. Uh, we're, we're, we can't do this. this. We're totally inadequate for what has to happen here. And, oh, this is way too important. And it's, too, you know, I was, yeah. So I had my little rant. And then I kind of calmed down. I did get to the place where I said, I need your help. Right? That desperate kind of prayer. And I opened my Bible, and I opened it, it opened to Isaiah chapter 30, and I started reading verse 19 in the middle of the page. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he'll answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more, and your own eyes will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Oh my goodness, I was astounded. I had never experienced God answering me that quickly and that literally. I just couldn't believe what I was reading because I, I don't think I'd ever read that scripture before. I hadn't read a lot of the Old Testament, I'm telling you. So, and it was so personal and it was so spot on for what I needed in the moment. And I, I really felt this, I felt his presence and I felt this enormous reassurance that he was with us, he was with me. 
I wasn't alone. I didn't have to figure it out. It was going to be okay. So I was also learning at the time that um, I was trying not to take scripture out of context. So you should read above, you know, read the verses above it, read the verses behind it, and that kind of thing. So I, I went to the start of chapter 30. I went back to the beginning of chapter 30 to read. And it's a long chapter, so I'm going to make, uh, we're not going to read it. But I'm, um, I'm basically going to summarize. The first section of chapter 30, he's talking to the people in Jerusalem. They are um, living in rebellion. And they are under siege. They're under threat. There's always somebody trying to take over them. But they're not going to God for help. They're going to Egypt and Pharaoh. They're going back to some place that, if you know your Bible a little bit, you go, wait a minute. Didn't God, like, take them out of Egypt and a place of bondage, right? And they're going back to that bad actor, Pharaoh, and the place where they were in bondage to ask for help. There's a message there, but that's a different morning. But uh, why do we go back to Egypt? But uh, paraphrased up to verse 15, God is saying, you know what? Nothing but sorrow is waiting for you. Instead of aligning yourself with my plans, you run to others for help and protection from your enemies, and all their promises are empty. Your rebellion will just bring you more shame and disgrace. And he goes on to say, I've sent you messengers, but you don't want to hear what they have to say, and you reject the message of hope that I have for you. You'll just keep doing it your own way until it all falls apart, like a huge wall with a big bulge in it that just finally crumbles and completely until there's nothing left. So picking it up in verse 15, which is my anchor passage, therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll get our help from Egypt. They'll send us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you, and five of them will make you all flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. And yes, for some of you who are paying attention, I did switch to the NLT. I learned my anchor passage in the NIV, so that's where it stays. But the rest of the passage, I think, reads better in the NLT. I'd like to suggest that we are all sort of builders in a, in a way. Whether we're conscious of it or not, we are building our physical lives. We use our resources of our bodies, our mind, our money, our skills, our education. We use all of those resources to build a life that, we, build our environments that we think are going to bring us happiness and success. And if we're honest, we sometimes we misuse those same resources of our bodies and our minds and our money and that kind of thing. And we build environments that actually end up robbing us of the very thing that we're trying to build. They rob us of joy. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy, right? Well, we can do the same in building our spiritual life with God. We can use good activities like Bible reading and prayer and worship and church attendance and serving in ministry even for growth, and that's good. And we can build some pretty good structure that way depending on how hard we work and how intentional we are. But as the scripture says in Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, what? We labor in vain. In other words, um, 
unless we allow God to be the master builder and we build with the right, on the right foundation with the right blueprint, we can sometimes end up, we find ourselves frustrated and disappointed and discouraged. And eventually we run out of our own resources and that's a dangerous place to be because when we're emotionally depleted and vulnerable, then we, we are at risk for looking for that easy fix like the people of Jerusalem. When we're fragile, we may look to something other than God for significance, for protection, for purpose. We may slide down and give in to anger, become cynical and blame others. Or, you know, sometimes we just get stuck and we just say, forget it, I'm out. So now back to where I was, here I was, I was very busy building a good life. I, growing up, my dad had been pretty emotionally distant and very perfectionistic. So I learned that the only way to get love and affection from him was to achieve with excellence. So I built my life on a foundation of hard work and performance and avoiding failure at all cost. I didn't realize it at the time, but I had actually built a pretty strong wall around my heart. I thought that would keep me emotionally safe and I became very independent. I didn't ask for help. I just trusted myself and I trusted my own instincts and I felt like, like you know, my gut would tell me what I needed to know, and, and, and that would be enough. And hard work, somehow I was going to find happiness that way. I was a, a, a young wife, uh, I was in, and my husband and I were building a, a startup business uh, from scratch, which we had no business training at all. We, we really didn't know what we were doing. But, uh, and I was a mother of two great kids, but they were two busy kids. Uh, and, you know, so Joe was working uh, lots and lots of hours trying to build this service business, so I was at home. I had pretty much all the cooking and shopping and, and child rearing and homework and shuttling them back and forth, all the things that they had to do because they were busy and active. And I also had a job. I had a career. I'm a dental hygienist, and I loved that, but I was driving 45 minutes each way in traffic. Um, and, uh, and so now I was doing my very best to handle it all, and to try to achieve my definition of the good life. Now this was my definition. A perfect marriage, perfect parenting, which would then produce perfect kids. <laughs> more money, because more money would, would solve all the other issues, right? And oh yes, then that would mean I would be a good Christian and I would measure up for the blessing and favor of God. Yeah, I had issues, please don't judge me. <laughs> We all have to start somewhere, right? But here in this verse is what I had missed. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So let me illustrate it this way. Or let me say that I asked Mitchell Maldonado, who does our graphics for the church, to help me illustrate it this way. So in our first illustration, you can see that I was building my life on a foundation of independence, right? And there are four pillars there, work, control, success, and conceal. I did pray, I did read the Bible, and I did trust the Lord up to a point, but when the chips were down and things weren't going well, boy, my fear of failure or disaster would all kick in, and my old programming and default was to just dig deeper into my own reserves, work harder, try to find the solution, be smarter, and at all costs to keep bad things from happening to my family and those I loved. 
yeah, I had pretty unrealistic expectations. And because failure in any of that would mean shame, I covered up. I did my best to cover up all the things that were not that description. Our marriage was not perfect. Our family wasn't perfect. There were problems that we had, but I did my best to wear a great mask and cover it all up. And I have to tell you that even at that point, I was unaware of how much I was stuffing. I really was. Um, uh, even from myself, I didn't realize how much I was hiding. So the next picture I'm going to say is that I was really building on a kingdom of the foundation was lies. I was, bringing, I was building the kingdom of self, like the kingdom of Janet. I could live in the kingdom of Janet, right? If everybody else would just do what I wanted, you know, then the kingdom of Janet would have been awesome. But it didn't work that way. So I was building on, the kingdom, on a foundation of lies. And the lies I believed were that I needed to work hard, I needed to keep everything under control, I needed to do it right and get it right to be successful, and hide everything else to avoid what I knew would be rejection. If people knew the truth, then they would reject me. There would be disaster. So right there on the top of that hill in the early morning, God put a wrecking ball to that tower, and he rescued me from myself, and he showed me a new and better way to build my life. So in the next uh, illustration, we'll see that the foundation is now independence, but it's got a little bit of a different thing there. It's independence, dependence on his love, his wisdom, and that supports the other pillars, the rest of the pillars. And those, the, the, the cool thing in the scripture, it says, in, you know, that these pillars that are strong are also tied together. So he says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. My salvation, my rescue, my safety is connected to my willingness for self-evaluation and surrender to his will. Let's look at that word repentance. In, this, in the passage, in the Old Testament passage, it's, it's the word return. So God is saying, return to me, come back, return to me. In the New Testament, the word in the Greek that we hear repentance is metanoia, and it has to do with change. And it's, yes, it's a U-turn, it's a change in direction, like stop going the way you're going, make a U-turn. But it's not just a change in direction, it's a change up here of how I think about the direction that I'm going. It's a change in my mind and my thinking and my understanding that this is not healthy and this is not God's way, right? Repentance is more than just saying, sorry, right? It, it, there is an apology in it, but it's more than that. It involves my having deep regret over my sin and asking God, change the inclinations of my heart, change those places in my heart that make me want to do that kind of thing. I choose to align myself with what God says is good for my life and his definition of success instead of the world's. And blessing follows my returning to him. Blessing follows repentance. There's restored intimacy with the Father, and I experience peace as I receive forgiveness, and, and that is the kingdom of God breaking into my everyday life, bringing freedom and wholeness. So rest could just be the word stop, right? Stop for me being a human doing, be a human being, right? Slow down, breathe, unwind, unburden. I say often to myself, accept the things I cannot change. 
accept the people I cannot change, accept the circumstances I cannot change, pray into those, pray about them. But, you know, rein in my overdeveloped sense of responsibility to fix everything and meet every need. Take time to refresh and recharge. And hey, here's a new thing, sleep. Get more sleep. And those who know me know that this pillar, uh, God is, you know, still, this is a place that I have to go back and ask for help to rest. So just as rest and repentance were, were together, so quietness and trust is my strength. The strength I need doesn't come from figuring it all out and powering up and trying harder. It doesn't mean that my spiritual growth doesn't take effort. It absolutely does. There is effort involved. I need worship. I need Bible study. I need prayer. I need all of that. I need that. But the Holy Spirit is the one who accomplishes the inner transformation of my character. And it he relies on my willingness. That's my effort. That's my part. My willingness to hunger for that change, to desire the change that he wants to bring. Quietness. Well, this could be activity as well, do less. It could also be about my mouth, say less. <laughs> you know, there's a great scripture that says, even a fool is thought wise because he keeps his mouth shut. That's actually a pretty good anchor passage for me. <laughs> uh, you know, because I can get in trouble with my words. Um, so say less. Uh, but it also, for me, the quietness is in my mind because my mind was just this swirling, constant a hamster wheel of trying to figure things out and get it right. And so I have to listen to what's going on between my ears, and then I have to evaluate it. Is this helpful? Whose voice am I really hearing? Uh, would Jesus say that to me if he were standing in front of me? Would he say, oh my gosh, you're so stupid? No, right? Um, would he say that about the drivers that I'm thinking critical thoughts about <laughs> as I'm drawing down the road, right? Um, no. So I have to think about what's going on. And I, I have to quiet my anxious and fearful thoughts, right? I, I have to wait on him for comfort and direction and for the correction that I need. I need correction. Uh, you know, here's quiet. How many of us really experience quiet? There's so much noise in our life, right? Um, the TV is either on or in my car, the radio's on or a podcast is on, that kind of thing. Just for fun, just turn everything off. Turn the social media off. Turn the TV off. Ride in your car with no radio on, no noise, and resist the temptation at every stoplight to pick up your phone and check your texts, right? Because you might have missed one in the last mile, right? <laughs> just leave it. And just be quiet. You know, um, the word says, be still and know that I'm God, right? And then trust. It broke my heart that that moment on the hillside to see how little I'd been trusting God for, to show his love and grace to the people, the participants in the plumb line. You know, he didn't need my expertise. His Holy Spirit was the one who was going to be bringing the healing and freedom, I was taking responsibility and all worried about carrying something that he had never designed me to carry or asked me to, right? And I was all stirred up with anxiety about that. 
All he needed from me was my willingness to show up and trust him to do what only he could do. Do my part and then trust him to do his. And this was the biggest wall that had to come down. I mean, I'm telling you, it was super scary for me. It was super scary for me because remember, I was all about, you know, let's keep things safe and in control. Let's not be out of control at all. Mm, yeah. Uh, so it was very scary. Getting, getting me out of my comfort zone has been critical for my spiritual growth. And now I recognize when God is stretching me and he's asking me to do something that I like, oh, I don't, I, I don't feel prepared for this or adequate for this. It's an opportunity. I don't see it as a threat anymore. I see it as an opportunity to gain Christ and to take territory back from the enemy. So our next uh, image is now the foundation that is better to build on is the foundation of truth, right? The foundation of the kingdom of God. Build on that foundation. And the cool thing about a tower is there are the four pillars, but there are, you know, like in a building, there are trusses and there's scaffolding and things like that that connect all of this stuff. And so there's a connection from, for me for trust for, to repentance. When I know that there's not condemnation for me, when I can trust God's love and forgiveness, even when I'm coming to him with, you know, my bad attitude or my selfishness or, you know, even asking him for more faith, being honest to say, God, I, I need more faith for this condition or for this circumstance, right? When I know there's no condemnation for that, that I'm safe, then, it, then repentance becomes a gift. It's a gift, that wipes away shame and guilt and clears the way for me to move forward into the transformation of my character. There's a connection from quiet to rest. When I quiet my mind, when I read the word, when I listen to worship music, when I take a walk, I sit on my patio with just the quiet and nature, it's easier to hear his voice and find that rest. And when I hear his voice, then it builds my faith and then it builds my trust and then, you know, all of that is connected. I then, I, you know, it's easier for me to surrender the next time that I'm in deep water. Or, and I can wait on him. When I rest from relying on my own efforts and trust his instructions and his timing, and I have to tell you, his timing is very rarely mine. It was on that hillside, instant. But generally, when I'm waiting on him, it's, it's, a, it's a place where I have to really listen and really guard my heart. It's uncomfortable waiting. But when I, when I do that, when I rest and I wait on him, then his instructions and his timing give me the strength that I need, which empowers me but doesn't exhaust me. Right? Proverbs 18.10 says, this is a great word. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. That's a good thing to build on. As I said before, being transformed into the, transformed into the image of Christ is a lifelong journey and an inside job. You know, when we apprentice to Jesus, we begin to think and act Jesus-y. That's another John Mark Comer word, and I love it. We get to do Jesus-y things, right? We get to offer hospitality. We get to throw a party to our city. We get to um, minister to the broken. We get to give food where it's needed. We, we get to do Jesus-y things. We get to show our love for God and our obedience to him out of our love for God 
and we get to love others better. We experience the power of God and the kingdom of God breaking into our everyday lives. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But our culture says, oh, hey, self, self-actualization, that's the ticket, right? Pleasure and status and more stuff, right? Those are the goals, and that's, that's the definition for success and happiness. The world also says that truth is not concrete, that it's movable and it's mushy, kind of like, you know, whatever floats your boat and be true to yourself and, hey, you do you. And all of that has its place, that's true, but now it extends into every facet of our relationships and the values that we live on for how we handle our money, how we handle power, how, how we handle relationships and sexuality. Speak your truth has replaced speak the truth. Right? I want to talk to the youth for a minute. I want you to know that you are known and you are incredibly loved by God. You're not a mistake. He made you with the talents that you have and he knows your weaknesses. He made you in the body that he gave you with a mind that can be captivated by both and influenced by both good and evil. I want you to know that 99% of the people in your social media, your Instagram, your TikTok, or whatever is the cooler one that I don't know, even know about, right? 99% of those people are not going to be in your life five to 10 years from now. Do not let them define beauty and value for you. Your creator God has already made you beautiful and priceless. Give him time to grow you up and to grow you into who he's created you to be and lean into Jesus, depend on him for your hope, and you are never alone. You are our hope. Don't listen to the lies and they're loud of the culture. So if you like me, you find your foundation and your beliefs are not providing you with peace and joy, acceptance and purpose, I suggest that maybe this scripture might be a good place for you to start as well. Repentance. Return to God and his definition of who you are and in the kingdom, Jesus is King Jesus. He reigns and he rules. And of what is good and life-giving for human flourishing, he is the creator. He created humanity. He created the world. He has a beautiful plan. Rest from your own hard labor and partner with him. Quiet your thoughts and your activity. Wait. Give him time to answer and trust God, a father who loves you, the creator of the universe, whose character is love and is 100% trustworthy. Build your life on the right foundation in dependence on God and on the foundation of his love for you. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team if they would come back for a little bit. Would you stand for me with me? We're going to just make some space for the Lord to bring some application. I want, I, you know, it wasn't by accident. Nothing's, we, we plan and we pray for these services and we chose that worship song this morning. I want to go back to some of those words that we sang this morning about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. 
There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. That is our God. He pursues us with his love. And there is nothing that he cannot do. Lord, I ask that you would light up the shadows and that you would tear down lies today. Lord, if there's, any, if there's anyone in here today who's, who's just never, ever understood that God was for them, that you don't know this Jesus and the power of his love and of his sacrifice and of his resurrection for you. If there's anyone here who would like to say, yes, I want to build my life on that and I need to start new today, would you raise your hand? We have something for you and our prayer team will come over and pray with you. Thank you, I see you. Anyone who says, I, I didn't understand that Jesus was that accessible or that his life was available for me and I, I need to start with that. Lord, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for new life, for a new start with you. I think if we just close our eyes and take a moment, we can all maybe ask ourselves, Lord, what foundation am I building my life on? Have I been building on anything other than the truth from your word? What are the pillars maybe that I, I've been trusting in to hold up the structure? What have I been trusting in to keep me safe? Where have I been looking for happiness and success and found it empty? You know, there's no shame there's no shame in coming to God with repentance. He says, return to me. Those places that we look, maybe it's been your reputation or maybe it's been just pleasure, money, a career that's up and to the right. Maybe it, it's a relationship that you know is not healthy. Lord, would you light up the shadows and tear down the lies? We're just going to wait on God. Prayer is available always here. Prayer is available at the front. We have a ministry team that would be happy to pray with you. But if you want prayer for something and you just want to stay in your seat and raise your hand, someone will come pray with you there. Somebody for prayer here. Father, we just pray that you would unlock hearts today, that you would bring your freedom, that we would, you would tear down anything 
that is a barrier between us and you, a barrier between us being able to receive what you have for us. So we're just going to wait. And youth, I want, I want you to know that um, you are absolutely anointed and, and you have permission to pray for people. I know that you pray for people. I know that you hear God. And so you are released to pray as well. There's no junior Holy Spirit. Our kids hear God. before every service and they pray for uh, words from the Lord and so <clears throat> they'll be up on the, uh, the screen we have um, shake off anything that isn't of God no one is left behind God is releasing courage and strength and enough is enough the battle is over we also have ask for a clean tongue his sword fits in your hand. You are not a crazy lady. Someone needs to hear that. And the last one is jump in. If any of those words resonate with your heart, please come forward. Let us pray for you, pray with you. Because that's from God. He's, he's speaking that to people here. So grab on to that word from him. And anyone who wants to pray about Anything that they're hearing, anything that you're needing freedom from today, God is here. We're here to pray for you. So I'm going to dismiss, but ministry and prayer will keep going on. Bless you. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.